All right, Erev Tov. We now move into Perak Chaf Vav. And we're going to have to figure out what this Perak is doing here. Because you're going to have an obvious question. And instead of asking the obvious question to begin with, I'll let you guys figure out what the obvious question is. Okay? And when you think you got the question, you could just blurt it out. Okay. Okay. Kvar yodato imroson. It's already what you already know the statement of the rabbis uh, that they say hakoleles lemine hapirushim kulam that is able to incorporate all the perushim of all the descriptions that we've been using so far to describe hakadosh baruch hu and showing what they really mean hatuim b'sayinu that are connected to this whole concept now, the whole concept. So far, the Rambam is trying to show us that there's no sense of corporeality to Hashem. So there's a very important statement from the rabbis that deals a lot with this idea. For who I'm Rambam, the rabbi said, Dibra Torah Keloshen B'nei You find this many times in the Gemara. Why did the Torah write it this way? Dibra Torah Keloshen The Torah writes things in the way that people speak. So what's the deeper inion of this concept? Inion said, this concept is whatever all human beings are able to uh, understand is ba- and is based on their pictures, so to speak, at the beginning of their thought. Okay. In other words, what is a human being capable of thinking? Okay. It's someone who's trying to understand things. What are we capable of thinking? So we, we say, uh, without very, even in big deep, Hushem Asheroi Labor Yusbar. Trying to figure out some kind of name that is fit for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Okay, so when a person is trying to think of something to describe Hashem, so we're trying to make it that the Torah can be understood by all kinds of people that people could understand. So therefore, Therefore, there are descriptions used of Hashem that could tend to go towards some type of physicality. Right? But what's the whole point of it, really, is that Hashem exists. Why? Because in the beginning of people's thoughts, they're only capable of thinking that's only physical. According to them, anything that's not physical uh, or has no physicality doesn't exist. In other words, um, a human being can only think of what his schema allows him to think about. Okay, so as a little baby, we all grew up seeing things, hearing things. It's a five-sense approach to life. Our whole, so those are the antenna that enable uh, stimulus to come into us. So what are we able to think about? Can only think about physical things. We have no way of understanding something that's not physical, correct? There's, there's no way. We can think of ideas but they still they're all based on what the physical world is 
Okay, you could even think of physical impossibilities, but they're based on concepts that exist. You could think of a flying elephant. I never saw a flying elephant, but you saw an elephant, you saw birds that fly, so I could think of a flying elephant. You know, even though you've never, even though you've never seen an elephant fly, but you have concepts of things that fly, and you got elephants, so you could think. You can't make them, but you could think in your mind that an elephant can fly, even though it's absurd. You'll never see it in your life, but it's but it's based on what you, your senses have seen that exist. Imagination still can only be with something that you can perceive bits and pieces, and you put it in. What, 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 what would you like? Name your imagination. Yeah. What, imagine okay, something. Like, Just what, give, me the, give me the craziest thing you could imagine. Jar peanut butter. <laughs> that was the craziest? What do you mean? Everyone sees a jar of peanut butter. No finishing one. Crunchy. flying on the moon without a rock. Person flying to the moon without a rocket. So, okay. The person's there. Space is there. Flying's there. And you just go. It doesn't have to be practical. It doesn't have to be practical. But, but you can't think of something that never existed. You could even think of a seven-headed monster. Because you know what a head is. You know what a monster is. So just give the monster seven heads. Uh, what can you not think? You can't think of things like a shem. you can't understand a Shem. Because right. a Shem has no physicality for him. Or even a Moloch. Right? So you can't you can't begin to describe a Shem because a Shem has no aspect of physicality. Okay? Now there is some kind of description, but it's not within the human domain of description. So we cannot or or let's even say better, a blind person. Right, you can only explain things through his ability of touch and hearing and smell, but not sight. So you can never explain to him a color. It's just not possible, even though the colors are there. Right. So now Hashem has attributes, but they don't fit into any physical box. So there's no way we can understand anything about Hashem, which makes it very hard to have a relationship with Hashem. Okay. And therefore, so what can we uh, do? Well, there we talk about understanding what he does. In this world. Well, that's one thing. So that's number one problem. So we got to figure out, okay, how can we talk about Hashem in the way that people talk? Well, that's one way. But even that is not... About uh, about more of a description about Hashem, it's about what He does. But let's try to figure way. How can we describe Hashem in a human term? It's still not going to be a problem. So now let's figure out what would we say is perfection by us, even though it's not perfection by Hashem. But what kinds of words would we attribute for human being had perfection? So you we will associate it with Hashem. We'll use a human term that we consider perfection. We'll use it to, for Hashem, even though that's not what he is. just to say one thing. 
Hashem is perfect with every perfection. Now that's true. Hashem is perfect with every perfection, but not our kind of perfection. If you say God is perfect, true or false statement? True. Perfect of all perfection. True. But maybe not by our definition what perfection is. So we use what our definitions of perfection and we associate with Hashem only insofar as it tells us he's perfect. Our definition is limited. And he has no deficiencies. Whatever we think for us would be a deficiency, oh, Heather, or a lack of something about ourselves, lo yitarbo, we would not describe it in Hashem or the Nevi'im or anybody else. Therefore, for example, would you say when a human being eats, is that a way of describing human's perfection? It's a need, but it's not perfect. Cause... Okay, it's, it, it's not the fact that a person eats does not qualify him as perfect, right? So therefore, how about drinking? How about sleeping? It's a lacking, we're saying we need to. Oh, exactly. It really is an imperfection in man. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need to eat, wouldn't need to drink, we wouldn't need to sleep. So guess what? No, so he, no, it's not what it's, we say he doesn't sleep. No, I understand, but we're not going to use a term to say God eats, God drinks, and God sleeps. You'll never have that anywhere. And as well, and not with sickness, and not like with ideas of thievery. Is that how the English translates it? Uh, using violence. Okay, same thing. Violence. Hamas. Hamas. Or anything like that that is a deficiency. Okay, so we're trying to under... We know one thing. God is perfect. So how do how do we associate perfection? We'll use that word, connecting Hashem, but not to describe Hashem, but to show that's an aspect of perfection with Hashem. So... Now here's a real knock over here. This is like Mamish, uh, uh, ironic twist to what we are going to call Hashem, thinking that that's an association with perfection. And whatever we think is an aspect that a perfect person could do, Yutarbo will use that to describe Hashem. Well, that really, that explanation or uh, uh, definition that for us is perfection, but in relation to Hashem, what we think is the ultimate perfection in describing God is the ultimate imperfection. If we have it, we're perfect. If God would have it, as for sure imperfect. But we're at least using a term that we understand that that is perfection. But if we think that for humans it's an imperfection, that would also be a definition of deficiency by Hashem. All right, he's going to give some examples in a minute. So, But the examples, we've had plenty of them. Okay, so let's, uh, where am I over here? I know I, it's in here. 
have to. Where is it? How come when I'm preparing the class, everything's easy to find, and when I don't, it's not easy? Okay. Uh, uh. Oh, so how about sitting, standing, going? Well, a, a, a person who could walk, it's pretty good, eh? Would you, would you say it's more perfect someone who can walk or someone who can't walk? Walk. Yeah, so if we can walk, Hashem can walk. We stand, Hashem stands. We sit, Hashem sits. All the verbs or nouns that we've been using, adverbs that we've been using in the last, I don't know, 15 chapters, these are all words that if a person does it, that's great. Everyone that we used until now, okay? Um, we're talking about going out, returning, um, going forward, coming. These are all... That's good if a person can do all these things. That, yes, uh, right? Those are all great terms, right? We're not going to use uh, eating, drinking, and that. That's out of the game. But what's going to happen in the subsequent chapters, as we'll see in a minute, those are going to be words that although they're not bad words, Garshem, but they're way too anthropomorphic. As we'll see, let's say we talk about the hand of God the foot of God all right that is already not a sign of perfection it's not a sign of imperfection it's just a sign of what what we have it's a sign of physicality and, and that's and that is more more of an aspect of physicality okay in other words if you say the hand of Hashem okay that's not the same as coming where we say that Hashem is manifesting where you don't have anything physically translated. So, so if a person manifests, so God manifests, right? So that's fine. But when it not, and so everything until now has been reasonably, we could squeeze it into the paradigm of Hashem. But now, and this is why he's putting it in this chapter now. Now we're going to talk the hand of Hashem, the foot of Hashem. Whoa, now we're going to have major challenges. He's going to explain it. But now you got to really have to come on to this idea that we don't have any better ways to explain Hashem in a way that we can understand. And therefore, we have to use words as that. And these are much more anthropomorphic than uh, statements of movements or statements of being. You follow? And that's why he's putting it in here. Okay? Okay. Here's a good example over here. Kihatanua. Let's talk about movement. Would you associate that with perfection for a human being? Okay. It's, it's, it's one of the perfect actions. And it's necessary for his perfection. God forbid a person cannot move. That's a real deficiency. So if it's, so if it's a part of perfection man, it's a nice way to describe Hashem. And without that, without movement, you have no perfection at all. Now, just like you need to eat and drink to replace that which you eliminate from your body, okay? So, you need movement too. 
Why? Why do you need to move? Well, to get you in the direction of something's good. There's a kiddish. You're at your seat, and the good stuff's down right at the other end of the room. Well, you want good stuff, you better be able to move. Right? Or things that you're used to that are necessities. On the other hand, movement's also good. To run away from bad, a monster's in the room, right? Umashu connecto, or something that's opposite him, like a terrorist, right? Vein hefresh, vein shiator yisala b'achila b'shesia, o yishator b'no. Now he's saying a big chav. So the real truth is, there's no difference between eating, drinking, and moving. No. Why? Because a human being needs to eat, needs to drink, needs to move. Now, but human beings would perceive eating and drinking as a deficiency in terms of why do I need to eat? Why do I need yeah. to to drink? Right. But Tanua, but the truth is, it's also a chasarb. Because why can't you be there? If you gotta move, that means there's a fault. Okay. So here's the point he's saying: eating and drinking. We know it's not our most noble aspect. It's not, and and we'd be more perfect if we wouldn't have to eat and drink. But we think moving, like how is that not part of perfection? But he's saying, so the Rambam is saying, even if you're gonna say that movement, and you think you're being nice, Hashem, and you're saying he's perfect, that's for sure imperfection. But the way people understand these concepts, Klomar, the, the, the imagery of the masses, they'd say that eating and drinking is a deficient as they were created with such a deficiency. And if you'd call that with Hashem, we'd also consider that deficiency with Hashem. For movement for us, it's not a deficiency. Even though you need it for a chisaron, there's a deficiency, but still in all, we would consider that as perfection. Right? That's how we would think it. Because, what do you mean? I can move. We think not moving is a real, and that for sure is a fault. There's three levels. God doesn't need to move. He's everywhere. Right? That's why he's perfect. All right. So therefore we have, but we, we have when we have certain words of holeich and this and that, we've got to say that his the shechina is moving or things like that. So that's why you see how many things we can make a mistake. And now he's going to get a little bit uh, to agree with Aristotle. And this is fine because this is kosher from Aristotle. Mm-hmm. And it's already been demonstrated in the book of physics by Aristotle, kikom misno ea, anything that moves, bal geshem must be physical. Okay, why? Because movement, movement can only be physical things, and anything that's physical must be mischalek below suffolk, has to be divided without question, has to be made up of parts. Okay, now, let's, uh, if you go to... Book six, part four of physics. Of I'm just giving you the one line. I'm not getting into the whole proof. Aristotle. I'm not getting the proof. I'm just taking a line out of there. 
begins with the assertion that everything that changes must be divisible. Aristotle draws a distinction between the divisibility of motion in time and its divisibility in distance. He says that everything in motion moves a specific distance in a quantifiable amount of time. He writes that the time, the motion, the being in motion, the thing that is in motion, and the sphere of the motion must all be susceptible of the same divisions. Motion takes place within time, and time is divisible. It follows that motion must likewise be divisible. So therefore, if you move, you must be physical. Physical things are divisible. Okay, I don't want to get into the heavy-duty proofs and this and this, but we just see it's something Aristotle said. And Ram says, of course we know it. So if you're going to say that God moves, <laughs> only something that would say moves one place to another means you have to have mass and there's got to be time. You have to have time and mass. And time and mass means the thing that has that is divisible. Time is divisible. In other words, you got this moment and next moment. This place and this place. That's all divisible. So the, the being, by definition, is also living in a divisible world has to be divisible so that's just okay you, you, but but anyway i don't want i don't want to the place if if you're moving from one place that's that's divisible it's, here's a place 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 and time here's a minute there's a minute there's a minute there's a minute so now you're in a world of divisibility. So if you're if if you're physical, you got to be divisible because you live in that world of time and space of divisibility. But but if you're not, and therefore that's like rules of physics. That's real physics. But if so, but so, but if God is able to move, then He must be physical and must be divisible. So therefore, I'm saying no, no, no. That is where we part with Aristotle, and there is possible because physics can only tell you what you see. See, that's fine, but God's beyond physics. And close that off on the red. Click, just write uh, delete. Right there, delete. Okay, so let's go back over here. Uh, okay. Okay, hey, so now, it will be explained later on. Since Hashem is not physical, you can't find any physical movement. And therefore, you can't say that God is resting. You only rest if you're moving. You can only rest if you've moved. And all the different words that are related to people who uh, beings who move, which is living beings, that's why Hashem will be described that way, because we see it as an aspect of perfection, so we'll attribute it to Hashem. Movement is something that is a rule of physics for, for, for human or living beings have movement. And we look at it as a positive. So we say that's about Hashem as well. Vain Sophic, and there's no doubt. If something is not corporeal, then you must remove all these definitions. Kalomer, like 
Your road, go down. Alo, go up. Haloch, go forward. Vinitsov, standing. Vamod, uh, uh, well, Nitsov is like being permanent. Vamod, standing. Usfov, around. Vyashov, sitting. Shkom, dwelling. Vyatsov, vov, avor. Vakom, lashidaymalazah. There's all types of movements. Vizanyin haracha bo yisron. This really, I've been discussing this a lot, but since people really are used to thinking this way, I got to explain this point. I have to really set, settle down and explain this point. Now, finally, uh, where am I now? As people, you wanted to define perfection in a physical way. And therefore, what I had to do is, I had to remove from them. I had to remove these thoughts that come from their years of youth, of just being used to seeing everything in a physical way. And I had to add a little bit, as you have seen. It's interesting that really there's only one name that really describes Hashem perfectly. And that's yud heh vav which is Gematria 26, and this is chapter 26. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, so what the Rambam, he's saying, now that we've finished all these wonderfully positive descriptions of Hashem, and humans would be happy to say that Hashem had these attributes, and I had to say they're still anthropomorphic, and they do describe a perfect aspect of Hashem, but not the perfect way you think it's perfect. So now we're saying goodbye to that, and then subsequent chapters, now we're getting the ones that even human beings are going to have trouble. You talk about the hand, the foot, and things like that, then you're having major issues that we have to explain there. Okay, there's more on this topic from other sources. Ramam's not the first who has said this, and maybe on Sunday we'll bring you a couple more of those sources for that. Oh, tomorrow. I'm sorry. Tomorrow's Thursday. Tomorrow's Wednesday. You're right. Thank you. We're we're on for tomorrow. Thank you.